0: Hi everyone, Pamela Larg here, your host of the Energy Transitions podcast. If you enjoy listening to our bi-weekly podcast, make sure to hit the subscribe button and take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. This will help us spread the message and connect with our community. Thanks again for listening to the Energy Transitions podcast from Inlet and Friends. ensuring energy security while simultaneously working towards meeting decarbonisation goals is challenging indeed especially in a landscape clouded by geopolitical tensions wars and economic turbulence i had the privilege of speaking to claudia blanco ge's business incubator leader at inlet europe in paris about the impacts of these challenges we also spoke about how to secure the future of the sector through encouraging new talent and innovation. I'm Pamela Larg, and this is the Energy Transitions Podcast. And Claudia, if we look at last winter, we had a surge in energy bills after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, disrupting gas supplies. You know, at the moment we have a war in the Middle East. We are still recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's, it's really a tough landscape. And energy security is really at the top of the agenda. So, my first question is a bit of a three-part question: What can we expect? What are we facing this winter? And do we have sufficient resilience? And if not, what needs to be done, perhaps from a policy perspective, to ensure that we do? Excellent, excellent question. I think
1: uh, I will take uh, I will take some of the latest. Um Inputs that we are receiving from uh, governments across Europe. Okay. Let's focus on Europe. We are here, right? So across Europe, uh, governments are collaborating with uh, the the energy uh, businesses, the uh, energy operators, um, and they are they are talking about this winter as a, as a risk that they want to take cautious risk, and um, they see a progress. They see a progress on on the events that we experienced last winter. But they are still, are still considering that we have to put in place some preventive uh, measurements. So they are collaborating together to make sure that, um, that yeah, we can prevent for uh, blackouts um, because we see an increase of the demand coming from renewable energy penetration, right? So we have solar panels more and more in the houses, right? We have electrical vehicles with the chargers that are as well consuming energy and everything at the same time. So winter, winter is one of the uh, the moments where we see measurements like, for example, Netherlands is talking about uh, putting, uh, again, incentives, right, to the less consumption in peak hours, so four to seven normally in the afternoon. And, um, and actually they, they want to incentivize again this. Or if we talk about UK, national, great UK, they are looking into as well incentivize that uh, consumption, but also they're going to have an increase of the power generation during this period, and uh, and so that they can prevent for for these peaks uh, to to prevent for
0: blackouts. And of course, if you think about it, we don't know what mother what Mother Nature's plans are for this winter, so you really you can't be too prepared. Never never
1: be enough prepared, right? Because there is also part of the education of uh, power consumption, right? So, um, how we use, how we use in the peak hours, the energy, we see a progress there, but it's still not not yet. I, I think if you saw the cities still in the night, you know, the buildings light on and now Christmas time with the lights and, and, and so here governments are taking a lot of care of it, but also it's super important, the collaboration and coordination of the, uh, energy producers and the, uh, energy systems in across Europe. So that they can respond to the increase of demand and have a better balance and stability of the of the
0: grid. That makes sense in terms of policy. Mm-hmm. Is is there more that can be done, or, or do you think that we we're in a good place? Policies.
1: There are there are things that we still need high support. Policy is key. Policy, as well as uh, assuring the uh, the power energy constantly. It's uh, it's also key, and uh, and we have seen some measurements coming. Um, I would like to mention the um, the Critical Raw Material Act, for example, or where they are considering to incentivize um, to have a, a better and, and resilient supply chain, which is something that we are seeing one of the bottlenecks to to have a a, a resilient grid and a resilient power generation, right? So here regulation can do a lot also in in terms of allowing flexibility or incentivize distribute distribute generation on those peak peak hours because you know the difficulty today is that we don't have as in the past a power plant that distributes from uh from generation to the transmission lines to the distribution it now is is two ways of energy uh and also not only, not only that, it's the, the, the nature of the consumers is changing. They become prosumers. We have solar panels that we can sell energy, so we generate power as well. So this is, this is creating a lot of instability in the grid and a lot of complexity to, to be able to, to achieve the challenges of the grid to compensate that. So this winter we are going to see some, some risk there, but the governments and, uh, and the uh, system operators are, are getting ready for that
0: complex ecosystem indeed. Claudia, if I can pivot slightly, if we look at uh, the expected increase in electricity demand, we're expecting 50% increase over the next two decades, obviously as industries and transport decarbonizes and there's greater amounts of electrification. How do we meet the challenges that will be caused by the scale up? I mean, you touched a little bit now on policy, but there are other areas as well, perhaps uh, in terms of skilled engineers or raw materials. Talk to talk to us a little bit about that, if you will. Yeah, good question. This is this is all
1: related to first uh, supply chain, reliable supply chain, and we talk about the Critical Raw Material Act, that is also the uh, Net Zero Industrial Act. Uh, both together, the intent is that by by next year we can have some some incentives and some laws that help us to to actually be less dependent on importing material. We have critical material, like for example, steel. Uh, steel is something that, uh, if you think about that 70% of a wind turbine is made of steel and that we are going to explode. And uh, my previous colleagues, they were talking about the explosion of renewables energy, uh, we will need millions of tons of steel and we don't have enough manufacturing capacity. So. Also raw material, like uh, uh, rare tears, they are critical for superconductors um, or especially steels, like uh, what the the batteries of the electrical vehicle will need, right? So we we have to transform also the manufacturing. So raw material is critical. Manufacturing is also critical. Lead times for a power transformer or HVDC substation is years. Minimum five years. Wow. So that's why we have to accelerate those skills, technical skills. And not only that, other the functions like uh, human resources, skills on human resources to hire those talents is another key element. And um, and actually the uh, digitalization of the supply chain. Digitalization is, is going to be the key enabler. There is more than 20 to 30% of investment is going to be dedicated to to that, to digitalization. And uh, finally, but not not less important, is we talk about policy, right? Regulation, harmonisation of regulation, and also enabling some areas that today we cannot, um, we cannot go for it and accelerate the the great transformation that is is going to be required.
0: I do want to touch on on the the skilled work- workforce a, a little bit more, but before I do, just a quick out of the blue question: as we are on this decarbonisation mission. What do you think the role of hydrogen will be? It's a little bit controversial. I think some believe that maybe there's more of a role to play or less. What are your thoughts?
1: I think it's going to be uh, it's going to play a key role. It's one of the uh, most abundant source, right? And uh, and we know now how to make um, fuels out of taking water and uh, and split it you now in, in hydrogen and, and oxygen. And uh, it's going to be a key enabler to. For example, manufacturing, manufacturing plants, they have to decarbonize and, and hydrogen is, is one of the key solutions. And and for that also is interconnected with the wind and solar plus the battery storage, which will allow us to produce as well hydrogen and, uh, and enable the decarbonization in many, in many ways in the end-to-end uh supply chain, actually, but as well on the end-to-end um of the grid, right? From power to transmi- power generation to transmission, distribution and then consumers, right? So Definitely. And and actually, in, in General Electric, we are working hard and continuously to innovate and uh, be able to offer in our power portfolio the hydrogen as uh, a solution as well. One example, it's we did great things about um, the gas, the gas uh, let's say plants, we were able to convert them to use hydrogen. And we have now more than 120 gas plants with uh, hydrogen. Across the world, so that's that's a huge uh,
0: move. That is a huge move indeed. And uh, you know, you talk about innovation and these new technologies that we're implementing and deploying, but of course, we need a skilled workforce in order to be able to achieve this. And as my final question, I'd like to find out from you how do we how do we ensure that we have this this workforce? How do we encourage people to get involved in STEM careers? You know, and, and perhaps even encouraging the, the girls mm-hmm. to become more involved, you know, in a, in a quite a male-dominated sector.
1: Right. It's, this is also an important question because one of the biggest bottlenecks we face is that, is skill and diverse skills. Because diverse challenge will require diverse brain, brains, no? And, uh, and actually, I think, I think what I will say is that the steam carriers are going to be key to enable the energy transition. We need them fast, and you cannot create those skills in, 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 in months, you need years, right? So, but a key point here, and this is a method for us as leaders of companies and companies itself, is how to make our our industry, our sectors more attractive. That's a key point, because I think when, when you try to solve a problem, if you don't work on the right root cause, that's why we're not accelerating this piece. And we are innovating a lot in product, but we are not innovating in attracting talents and here we need that. And, and, let me, let me give you an example. We are competing with Instagram as a job of the future. Everyone wants to be Instagram, the new generations, right? Because it's uh, really attractive, right? But the, our industry is not attractive. It's, it's perceived still as old fashioned. And this is a big risk because old fashioned means we are not adapting ourselves fast enough to be attracting talent. What I will say to attract talents, um, I will give a, a recent story that happened to me. I was, I was going to have, uh, you know, these amazing professional photographers that help you to upgrade your profile photo, and, and he say, well, how do you want to be perceived in the photo? I say, well, as an as an executive, as an entrepreneur, yeah, you know, and he say, then you need to look tough and aggressive. And he put me in this pose like this. That I, I think most of you, yeah, had to do that. Tough and aggressive. Tough and aggressive. This is the this is the image that this industry is giving to to the new generation. I don't want to look like that. I want that if people see my picture in LinkedIn, they see, oh, I want to work with this person, with this leader, and also for this company that hire leaders like her. This is the picture I want to. So that's why we we have to be like a. Influencers, no leadership. We have the privilege to to be leading, and uh, leadership means more than lead people. Is to give the example because we impact careers, we impact even private life, and yeah, moving from these male attributes that I think is is unfair. Male attributes like uh, be tough, be you know, be aggressive, um, aggressive language and things like that. Moving from that to all the male attributes that are amazing, It's go for it be brave, take actions, and combine it with the male attributes, with the female attributes, which are, let's collect and converge. Let's be creative. Let's solve the problems together. And we, we need that. We need to innovate in the way we are perceived to attract. So attracti- attractiveness, I think, is the is the key Yeah, to have more talents and solve this problem.
0: Well said. And I think it's interesting because you actually take it back to the role of the leadership and and the responsibility that leaders have in how they portray themselves as influencers. So I think that's that's very well said. And yes, indeed, it is down to the leadership. It's it's their responsibility. Any concluding remarks before we finish up, Claudia? I will say that we are facing
1: and, and it's not new for all all of us that are here, right? It's um it's important to realize the the challenges that we have in front of us. We need to to modernize our grid, we are not modernizing at the right speed because of those challenges that we mentioned previously. Right? Bottlenecks are everywhere in the entire value chain and in every every aspect. And we have to collaborate much more. We have to work really in a collaborative convergence approach, more than to I solve this problem. I solve this problem because we we will need all the capacity, manufacturing capacity everywhere. So it won't. I, I don't think it will be as competition as before because we, we don't have enough capacity. So let's, let's mind, mind, mind change uh, the mindset of, you know, silos versus collaborative approach. I think it's an amazing challenge and,
0: and we are at the right place and at the right moment. Well said. And it's something that's really been a reoccurring theme throughout Inlet, breaking down these silos and making sure that we really start talking to each other because that's, that's how we make it happen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Claudia, thank you so much. Visit World for more episodes and to sign up to be a community member for more exclusive content. Until next time.